The Bible reading is taken from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 1 to 18. If you have a church Bible, it's on page 1089. John chapter 20. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb, crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. At this she turned round and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord, and she told them that he had said these things to her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, as we think on this passage of Holy Scripture, I pray you would um, bring this story to life to us. Uh, And Holy Spirit, we invite you to speak to us in a special way. In the name of Jesus. Amen. So the first thing that grabbed my attention as I read this Bible passage a few days ago is there are various runs that happen with Mary uh, John and Peter. I don't, some of you might know that I, I quite like running. Um, and I thought uh, maybe this was the first ever park run. Perhaps it was a 5K from Jerusalem 
to uh, wherever the tomb was. So Mary has been to the tomb and has found it empty. They have taken my Lord away and I do not know where they have put him. They presumably, they being either the Roman or Jewish authorities, which Mary thinks maybe have come and stolen the body and desecrated the grave. Tradition suggests uh, that Peter, as they, so they're running towards the tomb, Peter is in his late 30s, early 40s, and John, someone in his late teens or early 20s. So I thought we would limber up this morning on a Easter morning before we have our chocolate eggs and roast dinners and we'd have a few races. And obviously because we're in church, I thought we'd bet on who might win in the races. Um, so we need some volunteers. We need someone to be... Pe- Let's find some Peters first. Some people maybe over the age of 35. Let's have your hands up. I want to have three people, four people under the age. Okay, let's have Matt. Let's give Matt a clap. Women and men. It doesn't have to be just male Peters. Who else? Roy, come up. Come on. Liz, you're very good at running. Excellent gait. You got caught. All right, you can't. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody else? Some, some other runners who don't have... No. Irene's got her knees. No, bad knee. Come on, we need two more. You don't have to be particularly good at running. We'll come to, come to John's in a moment, uh, Ben. Um, any more? Andy, brilliant. I might start picking on people. Is there any? Reese, great. Reese will come. Let's give these Peters a clap. I'm a, a little bit disappointed that we don't have any female Peters unless... There might be someone, Eva, you could be a John, couldn't you? Okay, Eva's a John already. We've got Eva coming up. Um, And who else could be John? Yes, let's have Ben and, ooh, there's lots of people who want to be Johns. We'll have one from the Sanderson family. Sorry, Grace, but you probably almost definitely will get a Fredo. Um, And we'll have Benji, would be great. And you, young man, what's your name? Patrick. Come on, Patrick. Sorry, all disappointed Johns. Let's give Patrick, Ben, and Eva, and Benji a clap. Right. Okay, so how should we divvy them up? I think it should be um, a dads against sons. Okay, so line up here. And uh, we're going to get ready. So this is, this is Jerusalem. There's the tomb. Um, Hands up if you think Matt's going to win. Hands up if you think Matt's going to win. Okay. Hands up if you think Ben's going to win. Oh, my word. I actually think, I really, Matt, don't let him win. Like, He's going down. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, uh, guys, this could get very messy. Jerome, you need to shift out of the way. We don't want to have injury on Easter Sunday. Okay, so it's touching the chairs at the end. Okay, are we ready? On your marks, get set, go! Oh, my word! Oh, oh, and back! Oh, my word! (laughs) Very good. Let's give them a clap. Okay, Heather, if you you, uh, are under the age of 18 and voted for Ben, then put your hand up. Heather will come around and give you a chocolate. Um, But don't eat it. 
don't eat it until your mummy says that you can. Or daddy, parents. Great. Heather, thank you. Okay, we've got another father-son duo. Actually, let's, let's save you. You might be, let's save you. Let's have... Yeah, okay, okay. Oh, all right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, really clear the way for Reese has got a rugby player's build. Um, okay, hands up if you think Reese is going to win. We have Peter. Okay, it's quite a few people for Peter. Hands up for John, for Eva. Okay, oh, okay. Reese, don't let her win. Come on, come on, Peter. Do it for the older people. On your marks. Get set. Go! Go, Reese! Go, Reese! I'm back, 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 I'm back. Oh! <laughs> well done. Again, hands up if you voted right and you're under the age of 18. Heather will give you some chocolate. Okay, right. Let's have Patrick and Roy. Patrick. So we've got Patrick as John, the young man, clearly a late teen or early 20s. Well done, Patrick. And uh, Roy, clearly late 30s, early 40s. No. <laughs> okay. Hands up if you think Peter's going to win, Roy. Yeah. And I, I don't think Roy, Roy won't play easy. Um, hands up. No. <laughs> hands up if you think Patrick's going to win. Okay. On your marks. Get set, go! I'm back, I'm back! I'm, wow, I'm so glad that was Roy and not Patrick. (laughs) Well, Patrick, let's give Patrick a special round of applause. Yeah, yeah. No! <laughs> and finally, we've got Peter and we've got John. Uh, both have been park running for quite some time. No, Benji hasn't. Andy has. Okay. Uh, yes, we do need to clear the path, the race course, the, the 5K from Jerusalem to the tomb. Okay. Guys, hands up. Oh, did we already vote? I think we did. Did we? No, we don't. Hands up if you think it's going to be Peter, the older man. <laughs> and hands up if you think it's going to be John, the younger man. Okay, it's about split. This might be our tightest contending yet. On your marks. Get set. Go. Oh, oh, oh. Very Peter, brilliant. I'm back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great. Let's give them a clap. Brilliant, brilliant. Well done, everyone. That went about as well as I hoped it would. <laughs> um. I want to talk this morning about a reasonable faith. So um, many people think followers of Jesus or Christians just decide that they believe in God or in the resurrection. But for many people, 
It comes through a reasonable study and exploration of the evidence around the resurrection. I want to talk today about that. So John arrives first, but he doesn't go into the tomb. Possibly like me at the end of a 5K, he just had to have a bit of a lie down. But he, it says that he does look in to the small door of the tomb. He looks in and he sees the empty linen cloths. Um, but perhaps not wanting to become ceremonially unclean during a festival period, he doesn't go in to the tomb. And then Peter arrived, brilliantly acted by our uh, wonderful men, well done, um, and he shoots straight into the small hole of the tomb. If you know anything about Peter, that's a very Peter thing to do, impulsive, in the moment, Peter. And it says that he sees, but here we have a different word in Greek, the word theori, which means useful. It's always useful when Greek words match up with English words, which they don't always. Um, it means to, to theorize, to scrutinize, to discriminate meaning. The gears in Peter's head is turning. He sees the empty linen covers and cloths folded up in place, and then John, the other disciple, comes in, and it says that he sees, again, it's another, it's another Greek word for see, which means to perceive, for something, to be moved by something. Something within his heart is moved, and the next line it says, it says, he sees and believes. He believes. Something that I think is completely true about the first disciples is that they believed that Jesus had literally been bodily raised from the dead. I think, you know, we can question in the 21st century as to whether they may have been mistaken, but I don't think history allows us to think it might have been a myth that grew up over time, you know, a kind of Chinese whispers or whatever is the appropriate kind of whispers, probably not Chinese whispers, um, whatever, it, whatever that is now in 2023. Um, does anybody struggle, whether you are a follower of Jesus or whether you um, have thought a, a bit about uh, the Christian faith, does anybody struggle with doubt? I, I, I put my hand up very confidently and say that as a vicar, I, I struggle with doubt around my faith and Big things like the resurrection. Uh, someone asked me recently about the second coming of Christ, and I gave them a very confident, very correct answer. And as I was giving it, I in, internally in my head thought, gosh, Nathaniel, do we believe this? It seems quite far-fetched. Um, and uh, yeah, so I was wrestling, even in that moment with doubt. I, I struggle with this. And the resurrection pushes such questioning. And I've found great comfort in a reasonable faith, faith-seeking understanding. And despite all I've said there about doubt, I can say confidently and with assurance, this Easter, I believe Jesus Christ died on a Roman cross and was raised to life. I, don't, I believe that uh, by faith, but I also believe that's what happened. 
And I encourage you to look deeply into the evidence for the resurrection. I know personally that having a bit of logic around this in my mind, particularly where my heart is stormy, has helped sustain me through doubt and struggle as a follower of Jesus. Such periods of doubt and struggle happen to me regularly. Actually, they happen to me every year, and it's called winter. (laughs) I really am affected by the dark and the cold and just loved yesterday. Hallelujah! (laughs) It just felt like summer had come. Uh, But on a cold, dark morning when I'm lying in bed... Uh, And I'm thinking, Nathaniel, do we really believe this? Well, you're very committed. If there ever was such a thing as confirmation bias, you've got it. It's literally your job. It's your job to believe this is true. Uh, We've got really invested in this and can be struggling with doubt. It's in these moments that, at least for me, reminding myself of the reasons for my faith in Jesus, who was God amongst us, embodying all that it means to be human. I think Jesus was the most human human and then died somehow as a substitution in our place for the sins of the world, for for my brokenness, and perhaps even more meaningfully, dying as a a kind of cosmic battle against evil, against death and decay, to lead us into a new way of being human, to lead us in a way of being gloriously good and forever with him because of love. I want to talk about three very brief things from this passage that encourage me in a reasonable faith. So first, the linen cloth. What happened to the body of Jesus? If he had simply appeared to die and rather had fallen into a coma. And actually, this is what some Islamic scholars and other Western scholars, historians, believe about uh, the death of Jesus, that he did die, he he appeared to die, but actually was in a coma. Then the linen cloths wouldn't have been simply uh, be neatly folded. They would be like a mummy, wouldn't they? Ripping out of uh, the cloths. Or if the body was stolen, as another explanation around the resurrection, why would they remove the cloths when they're there to preserve the body from decay and from odor? They'd leave them on, particularly if they were in a hurry. And then, if you really want to explore this further, as I was reading this passage, the commentators were talked a little bit about the Shroud of Turin. Has anyone heard of the Shroud of Turin? Put your hands up if you have. I thought that was for tin hat Christians. But um, actually, as I was reading into that, I, I think this may well possibly be the shroud that was over Jesus uh, within the tomb. Uh, possible more evidence around the death and resurrection of Jesus. That's actually really fascinating. If you want to have a little bit of a Google around about the Shroud of Turin, I was really surprised about that. Uh, The other thing, Mary. There's loads of stuff within this passage. I just want to do three things. Mary, the first witness of the resurrection, was a woman. And 
that might not be problematic for us at all, in, obviously, in any way, um, that she was a woman. But Celsus, who was the first major opponent of the Christian faith, this was one of his main objections to the historicity of the resurrection, is that the first witness was a woman. And how could we possibly believe a woman, quoting Celsus, as they're so often prone to hysteria? <laughs> and so this was something that undermined the faith within the first centuries of the church. Now I think, actually, it strengthens the argument over the resurrection, but it undermines it, at least in the first few centuries. And possibly they included this, this way, because this is actually how it happened. And thirdly and finally, something changed with these women and men. If it wasn't a bodily resurrection, then something else happened. They devote their lives completely and utterly to sharing the gospel, that God has loved us, that pointing towards the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. All of these um, men, apart from John, end up dying for their faith. And dying for a delusion, for a lie, for a, a myth. I want to quote a Japanese theologian called Shusaku Endu. He says this, If you don't believe in the resurrection, you will be forced to believe that something hit the disciples that was every bit as amazing, maybe different, yet of equal force in its electrifying intensity. For if we try to explain the changed lives of the early Christians you will find yourself making leaps of faith as great as if you had believed in the resurrection to start with. However, it's not enough for faith to simply be intellectually satisfying. I pray that this Easter, that the Jesus story moves you, that it thrills you. The gardener asks her a question why are you crying? Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you put him and I will get him. Mary. Not Miss Magdalene, but Mary. The voice of the one who's loved her, who's reached her in a way that no one else could. Mary. He calls her name. Rabboni, she replies, more than rabbi, more than teacher. My rabbi, my teacher, the one who saved me, the one who healed me, the one who loved me. Do not hold on to me, for I'm yet to return to my father. She wants to hold him, to be held by him to never not be loved by him. And I believe within this is a promise of the Holy Spirit who will be with her, leading her and us into the love and wholeness of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit, I believe, is moving today. I still find great power in this Jesus story, the story of Easter. The story thrills me, it moves me. 
I find a sense of the Holy Spirit moving in my life over this Holy Week. And I pray he may have moved in your life or may even be moving now, perhaps again, or it might be for the first time. It might be the first time hearing these kind of things or or pondering them, scrutinizing them, really discerning them in a way. And I pray if that is, this might be a moment or a series of moments where you decide to follow Jesus, accept the one who has loved you, has died for you, and has called you by name. Let's pray before we pray and share communion. Lord, we thank you for this amazing Easter story, and I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would move us and thrill us. Lord, we thank you that we can stand on this with our our minds, our reason, our logic. Lord, I also pray that that expands our hearts, that they grow in love and gratitude for all you have done for us. In the name of Jesus, amen.